Hi, I'm Mike. And I'm Dave. And join us every Thursday for a new episode of Two Player Bros, a podcast about two guys who play way too many video games. Join me and Dave as we talk about the latest in Xbox, PlayStation, PC, and VR news, previews, and reviews. We have it all, and we play it all. And join us every other week for Post Game, where we play through and dive deep into our favorite modern classics and new releases. That's Two Player Bros, available every Thursday wherever you get your podcast. part of the Forgotten Entertainment family. Hello, and welcome to Recent Activity, your new favorite entertainment review podcast that attempts to cover every film, every show, all at once. I am your co-host, Andrew Morgan. With me, as always, are two men who made me shudder when they tried to paramount me with their peacocks, Chris Frodell. You like my plumage? (laughs) And Shane Beauregard. What's up? That was a mouthful. Yeah, you like it though? <laughs> I do like it. All right. Like it. Starting off Good. dirty. Thanks a lot. It made me giggle. That's all that it matters. <laughs> and I hope that's all that matters to anyone else in this damn thing. Because this is mostly for us, man. But I thought it was apropos because this week we're going to talk all about streaming movies. And of course, most of the <laughs> streaming platforms that I mentioned in that little diatribe uh, are ones that we're not even going to talk about. So that's fine. Um, <laughs> but I figure we're going to go through several movies, so we might as well just get right to it. Because streaming has been out of control. There's so much to watch, uh, especially because the mm. theatrical hasn't been doing a ton of bucks these days. Although I haven't seen numbers on Don't Worry Darling how much it made. Did anyone see at all? I haven't checked. I just know it was bombing uh, review-wise. Oh, for sure. Yeah. I thought it made like a 20 million or close to 20 million. Which is fine. I, I thought they probably thought That's they were going to make projected. maybe a little bit more. Yeah. Uh, it's more like Woman King numbers or a little bit more what you would think given the controversy and everything else you would hope that it would have been a little bit more yeah it's uh uh don't worry darling's at 19.4 million dollars so chris yeah. is pretty much right on it yeah so are they claiming that's a success i assume that's number one at the box office that is number one at the box office yeah so hey good on them but again that's probably the first movie in a while that's actually made a little bit of noise made a little bit of money there's been some successes we covered barbarian which but even that was like a low number success and then woman king did all right but Nothing has been super standout, so this week we're going to continue to look down the streaming route, and I wanted to start off, ironically, with a streaming movie that I saw in theaters, (laughs) Uh, Netflix's Blonde, uh, Andrew Dominic's Marilyn Monroe, not biopic biopic Um, it's it's a very interesting game that they're playing with this. Of course, this is the adaptation of the Joyce Carol Oates book. Uh, like I said, it's the following a fictional account of the inner life and terrible anguish of legendary actress and pop culture idol Marilyn Monroe. This is a movie that we've had kind of on our radar. We didn't put it as like kind of the uh, in our draft of like the fall preview stuff, but it's definitely been something we've all kind of been talking about. Uh, it's a movie that stars Anna Diarmas, one of our faves. Uh, from Knives Out and No Time to Die, taking on the blonde in question, Norma Jean slash Marilyn Monroe, alongside Bobby Cannavale uh, as the ex-athlete. We'll get into how weird and everything this is all going to be in a minute. He's supposed to be Joe DiMaggio, all right? Everybody. Um, Adrian Brody plays the playwright. Kaspar Philipson plays the president. And Toby Hughes plays Marilyn's makeup artist, Whitey. He actually gets a name. Good, for, good on Whitey. <laughs> now, you guys, how much were you guys aware of, like, all the hoopla coming in? Uh, I know, I think we talked off, Mike, you knew about, say, the NC-17 rating. Um, and obviously, uh, you know, the controversy about DeArmas' casting, who was maybe in it before. How much did you guys know about Blonde before I kind of, like, launch into the review of it all? I actually just knew the NC-17 rating. I kind of tried to pull a Chris on this. I wanted to go as cold (laughs) as I can on this one. Right. So I didn't even see a trailer for it. So I I knew the controversy about her being casted as Marilyn Monroe, which, you know, by the looks of it, I don't know, she passes visually as Marilyn Monroe to me, but I know you'll get into that a little bit more. Sure. But no, that's all I knew going into this thing. Did you know that it was kind of like not 
fully a biopic or any of those type of things swirling around? No, not at all. Okay. Not I'm at just all. curious about the messaging of this movie and what's landing. Chris, what did you really know about the movie? Uh, just the rating. And uh, I even asked you off mic, I'm like, what necessitated the rating? You know, and, right. you know, was it as controversial as they they made it out to be? Right. Um, with something like this, you know, I I normally, I would avoid at all costs, but I'm like, I know enough about Marilyn Monroe that you can't really spoil this in a sense. The highlights, at least, right? Like, we know what her famous movies are, yes. the era she was in. We know yep. that she, you know, died of kind of like a suicide, accidental overdose type of thing at a young age. There are like yep. the broad strokes, I would say most people know. I I, I yep. don't even want to like say that because, you know, obviously we're in our 40s. You know, there are people out there who are, you know, like say our parents might know a little bit more or people younger than us, you know, don't know anything. And that's Aside kind of where images. I'm at. Right, exactly. She's still a yeah. very much a in the pop culture. There's a lot of images of her still around and... You know, interestingly enough, they don't really like remake her movies at all. Like they haven't done like a some like it hot update or something like that. But the only thing I could think of is uh, the closest proximity was um, or a closest approximation is to say Madonna's Material Girl video was like a mock up of like a Marilyn Monroe. Yeah. Diamonds are a girl's best friend, that kind of thing. Yeah. So, again, still using the imagery, still very much alive in the culture at certain points in history, maybe losing a little bit of that now because it's been so long. I mean, right now, anybody who would pr kind of be in her life would probably be in their seventies, you know? So yeah. it's, uh, so who knows even still around who's around to corroborate any of this stuff. But so here's how I want to kind of go about it. Number one, the movies based on the Joyce Carol Oates book and the book is something that the author insisted on many occasions that the book is a work of fiction. But even during the time when it came out, historians like took the book to task saying things like, you know, there's wholly fabricated characters, completed events, false depictions of real people, blah, blah, blah. Maybe some irresponsibility at hand. Um, but even, but then a lot of people praise the book because it's like the definitive study of American celebrity and they kind of use it as like a modern Moby Dick. Okay, so Andrew Dominic gets a hold of this. He of Killing Them Softly, the assassination of Jesse James by the coward Robert Ford, uh, that director. He starts the process of adapting the novel, and originally he wanted to do uh, a story about childhood trauma and how that shapes an adult's perception of the world. But he originally wanted to do it about a serial killer, but then he read Blonde, and he was like, ooh, interesting comp. Um and he was like, if I did it with an actress, it would be slightly more sympathetic. So he starts to try to cast it. Originally, Jessica Chastain and Naomi Watts were attached to the project. This has been going on for, he said, 14 years. But even if you took it from his last movie, we're talking at least 12. So it's been a long time. So a lot of those actresses who were attached no longer are because mostly because they aged out. Um, so Ana de Armas was announced back in 2019 The they had, you know, all kinds of issues with, you know, being COVID shut down and everything else. But once it started to come out, all these weird stuff kind of started to come through. Like it said that, uh, the script had little dialogue and instead it would be a film that's an avalanche of images and events. And I was like, this is either some director bullshit or this is going to be a weird-ass movie. Like, it's going to be... What is this going to be, like, a silent film? What is this... Why is this going to be so weird? And then the film is shot in black and white and color. It goes back and forth, depending on its mood, I guess. Uh, it, there's not a huge explanation as to why. And then, of course, like you guys said, it is NC-17. It is the first of its kind since Blue is the Warmest Color back in 2013. So it's been a while since we had the whole NC-17 conversation... Uh, and obviously for our age level, we're probably like, you mean like showgirls? You know, like it's like that's probably the conversation. So what makes it closer to like the proximity of showgirls is what everybody's probably going to think. So there are graphic sexual violence scenes. There are 
um, scenes of... I don't even know how to put this because I've never... I don't think I've seen a lot of it on screen before. Um, There's a shot from inside the vagina during an abortion. So that's a little tough to swallow maybe for a generic audience. Um, There's a lot of weird stuff. And a lot of it probably circles around. There's also a uh, pretty infamous, what will probably become infamous uh, blowjob scene, fellatio scene in the movie as well. Even though I thought they edited around that pretty well to where it's not as, you know, vulgar or gratuitous as maybe one would think by me just saying those words. So with all that said, (laughs) I think I went into the movie with an open mind. I'll tell you this. It's not Elvis. uh, because (laughs) Elvis is kind of, you know, the larger than life version of the biopic that maybe even though maybe some scenes may be embellished, I think we kind of have a good idea of what that story is and how close or not close it was to the real depiction of Elvis. Would you say that, Shane? I know you saw Elvis and, and... Maybe yeah. felt that way. Yeah, I totally agree with that. Okay. Um, so, but Blonde is kind of more in common with Jackie or Spencer. If you guys seen, have you guys seen any of the those popular Rain movies? No, I have not. No, they're okay. No. So basically, like those movies are kind of like slices of life. It's like a one day or a few days. You know, it's basically surrounding some larger event or. Uh, decision that has to be made after an event, some kind of like crisis of faith thing or or crisis moment that has to be done that he takes from those, and they're not depict. They're not biopics. They're not kind of like they're true to life in the fact that they have some details that are correct, but then it also takes liberties with like maybe what their thinking was about what their motivations may have been and kind of like puts you into a place that only the people there would have known about. And if they're not writing the movie or it's not based on some account of that, then you're just speculating, obviously. So that's closer to what this movie is, I guess, even though I'll go in depth in a sec, but like basically if there's a movie that goes through all the painstaking effort to get down every detail, like lines these people have said, like dialogue these people have said on tape, images, like like costumes are like dead on. They shot inside her house, uh, her real life house for like the end of the stuff. So like there's a ton of stuff that is like, oh my God, I can't believe how real this feels or how much, how immersive it is. And then they're like, hey, hey, hey but we also made up a bunch of stuff and uh, we also, you know, are going to, not call people by their real names or not call them by their names at all. So we could skirt around the fact that we are talking about real people, but we're, we have loopholes or ways out of kind of like saying, Oh no, 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 that don't sue me. That's not you. And you know, these things didn't happen. We all know that. And then I just think some of those things are a little bit irresponsible. Weirdly though, this movie does kind of do some good things at least. Um, with examining mental illness, post-traumatic stress, you know, that are blown wide open by like the trappings of stardom and toxic, you know, masculinity in a male dominated studio system. It's kind of like, she's not actually Marilyn or Norma Jean. She's kind of like the avatar for like what people went through as a star during that era, if that makes any sense. So even though they did take actual things that happened to her. (laughs) So, This is what kind of bothers me where I'm asking more questions after the fact, which takes away from the effectiveness that the movie has when I'm watching it, because there's a lot of like horrible stuff and it's relentless, especially and 245. I was worried about the runtime and I think it works. I think it's not overly bloated. It definitely went by. It held my attention. So that should win something, (laughs) some kind of prize on itself, but I will say that there are some things that you just go oh, scratch your head. There's like some almost like art school bullshit going on here, um, which Chris can maybe attest to um, yeah. as a person who actually went to art school. I so know maybe, the kind. Yeah. yeah. If you were like, hey, man, uh, there's a conversation of an unborn fetus here. Oh, oh, really? A talking unborn fetus? Oh. Cool. Um, 
multiple cervical shots from either end of the forceps in an abortion sequence, like I said, sure. Uh, the force fellatio in a sitting president, knock yourself out. So, like, all those things are in here while also having these nightmare scenes and depictions of her stardom. So it takes you on a giant ride. And while some things are, like, completely baffling, I found the movie also to be largely more effective than baffling. But then after the movie was over, I couldn't help myself, but, like, I watched a Marilyn Monroe documentary, which is also on Netflix, by the way, if anyone wants to uh, check it out. It is called... The Mystery of Marilyn Monroe, The Unheard Tapes, um, which kind of goes through a lot of stuff, uh, tapes that were recorded by journalists back in the 80s, including Marilyn on tape um, that he got a hold of um, and talks to the family who is his therapist and her therapist and everything else and got kind of the real scoop, talks a lot about the Kennedys and everything else. It's a lot of stuff. But a lot of that stuff was not in the movie. So it kind of intrigued me that like, oh, so this thing about her mother didn't actually happen. And this part about her death uh, was more depicted as this. And, you know, if you're into the history, you're probably going to hate this movie. If you loved Marilyn Monroe, you might feel overly sympathetic, but you might also be like, but is that bullshit or not bullshit? If you take it with knowingly knowing that it's bullshit, I would ask you, why are we interested in it from the Marilyn Monroe perspective? And are we okay with that? Especially because there are people in here that we know, like her ex-husbands and everything else. So I am completely at a loss <laughs> with this movie, even though when I left the theater, before I started doing all the digging, I was like, I don't see why this movie is getting as raked over the coals as me. Like some people hate, hate this movie. And honestly, now after I did all the research and I kind of searched my feelings, I understand every perspective from people who are like, this is a really well done, well crafted movie to this is complete bullshit. And I would agree with all of them. Wow. Okay. Well, I yeah. was on the fence beforehand. <laughs> it's an experience. But, yeah. I, but as we talked before, I guess I feel like this film's going to aggravate me and I'll, I'll let you guys know next week when I watch it because. Yeah. Yeah, it's out at, if you're listening today on day of release, it is out now. It's out Wednesday. Right. So when it comes to biopics, I like them to trend towards the majority of them being, you know, real, like true to that person. Right. And I don't like layers added into the movie where it just serves to move the movie along. I, I don't know. That, that I think that's going to really bother me. So I yeah. am intrigued about your description of this movie, but I'm also a little nervous going into this thing. Yeah. It's not like we were talking off air where it's not like it's Rudy, where it's like, oh, maybe he didn't get into the game, so they Hollywood ended it. Is anyone getting hurt by that fact? No. Um, it, it, I've heard that the actual Rudy Rudiger, whatever, like, is kind of a jerk. <laughs> and so, like, obviously making a movie about a jerk is going to be difficult, too. Okay, fine. But there's, a, there's nothing in Rudy itself that is going to hurt the families of people who knew him or him himself or his family. This movie, I don't know if I fully agree with that. And that's why I kind of search my feelings for like, uh, like finding out full stop that certain scenes that are just wild uh, and harsh and whatever just never existed is tough to swallow. And no, I didn't mean that as any euphemism for anyone <laughs> paying attention. I'm not a monster. Um, but got me before that. So, I don't know. Anything else you would want to know, Chris, as a person who hasn't seen the movie? D did I do anything to uh, dissuade or or color anything that maybe was your concern? I'm on the same page as Shane where, okay. you know, I was, I was curious about it. I was going to see it, and I, I'm still going to see it. But I don't like when you take someone as iconic as Marilyn Monroe, who... The three of us know just about enough to be like, that didn't happen. Or yeah. did that happen and question everything? Right. But I don't think audiences will do that, though. And that's part of my fear. People are going to take this movie as gospel because they don't <gasps> do the research or they didn't hear an interview with Andrew Dominic before and going, oh, okay, this isn't full truth, full stop. No, you're going to get the people who heard about the NC-17 rating yep 
they're gonna think it's it's over overly sexualized, right? And want to see it, right? And you know that's that's one way of advertising a movie, but yeah, when you actually see it, you're gonna be like, uh, yeah, not what I expected. This yeah. this is not Showgirls, you know? Right. And for anybody who's like, ooh, but don't we get to see Ana de Armas naked and all that stuff? Okay, horn dog, find a different outlet, I guess. There are other movies right. where she's naked where it's not horrific. Um, so maybe, you know, tuck it away and, and you know, watch it for what it is. Because this is a yeah. movie that was, like, essentially not, I don't know if I could say greenlit because of, but, like, very much this movie got made because it's a Me Too type of portrayal. Sure, and right. uh, and obviously showing that it didn't just happen in the Weinstein era. It was actually probably much worse before Weinstein because studios had even more control and even more power beforehand. And, you know, obviously what the limelight does to you and what the, the male power dynamic back in the 50s and 60s as opposed to now, uh, you know, was even more of a patriarchy a higher level thing and and obviously more toxic by extension so not everything it's relentlessly damaging and it's 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 a tough watch at times but it's effective though so if 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 we're just taking it on face of like did the message get across is Ana Diarmas really good in it does she you know kind of like fall into the role of of Marilyn slash Norma Jean and and really own it and do a great job yeah but are there things that are going to linger with you that like sour the movie? Probably. And so it, it's not going to be one of these like, you know, if I probably had to put a grade on it, I'm somewhere probably between three and three and a half because it's not bad. But I can see someone going, well, isn't that kind of gratuitous? Isn't that insulting? Isn't that, you know, irresponsible? And I'd probably go, yeah. But if I'm taking it as a work of fiction and trying to just take all the nonsense out, which is really hard to do, by the way, then then how do you assess it? So, and I won't believe her anymore. I want people to watch. I want you guys to watch, and I want to kind of have we will maybe a a, a a more nuanced conversation where I'm not just kind of speaking and you're going, yeah, okay. Uh, you know, because <laughs> while I do love to hear myself talk, I figure we can actually get on to stuff that we've all watched. But I do I do want people to see it. And I'd love to hear feedback from, you know, our audience as well to kind of have it come full circle. And maybe we can all kind of figure this out together because I'm still kind of, you know, racking my brain about a lot of the elements of this movie. Um, next, we have Do Revenge which is uh, another Netflix movie that came out uh, a couple weeks ago now. Uh, I did an article on this for What's on Netflix, so (laughs) I've talked quite a bit already. So let's get uh, the fellas on the record about Do Revenge, which has been labeled as a Hitchcockian dark comedy thriller. Um, This is starring Maya Hawke and Camila Mendez as kind of a update on the old strangers on a train put into a high school. And uh, what did you guys think? Because this was actually the first in my uh, play pause or stop series that I gave an actual play to. So uh, I know, I think Shane uh, maybe said some nice things. I'll start with Shane. What did you think about do revenge? I, you know, these films, it very seldom happens with Netflix. Sorry, Netflix. I had this on my radar when I heard about it, and I right. was into it. But then I, I totally spaced out when it was coming out. So when I saw it, I was like, all right, let me give this a play. It's one of those surprising movies, kind of like senior year, where I don't know what I was expecting. The bar wasn't set kind of high. Sure. But I came away more impressed with this movie than I thought I would be. And as you guys know, I'm a fan of the CW, so I love Camila Mendez, <laughs> uh-huh. uh, Veronica from Riverdale. Yep. And in Maya Hawk, I thought they played. I thought they had good chemistry together. I thought the cast was really good. Yeah, yeah. This movie's like Mean Girls, Clueless meets Alfred Hitchcock a little bit. I like the twists in this movie. I like some of the messages because they go into the you know the popularity and the all the trappings of being in a high school today. You know, right. being popular and, and show it. You know, especially the lead uh, male in here using his power to whatever, expose these girls and stuff. So I came away really digging this movie. And it's scary 
how much Maya Hawk looks like Uma Thurman at the moment. More so in this she, movie than absolutely. Stranger Things. Yeah. Yeah. And and the voice even too, like a lot of things all match up. She's just basically young Uma Thurman right now. Yes. Yeah. For sure. So I, thumbs up for me on this, but I'll let Chris go ahead. Yeah, Chris, oh, no, how did I, you feel about Do Revenge? In my notes, I said this has more movie references than not another teen movie of the time <laughs> it's uh it's referencing. Like, you know, uh It's possible. Mean mean girls, uh, you know, cruel intentions sometimes. Uh you have uh, Clueless, like Shane said. Well, you actually, when we were on the phone, when I was talking to you about it before you watched it, you even said, like, that kind of sounds like maybe like a jawbreaker. Jawbreaker, yep. And, of course, Heathers, right, would be yeah, kind Heathers. of a, a larger yes. influence as, like, kind of yep. conspiratorial uh, students for, or for lack of a better term, maybe on different sides of the tracks or whatever. And yeah. conspiracy, uh, yeah, I can't talk either. 16 Candles, uh, you know. Yeah, it's all the same. All I also thought of, I also thought about John Tucker must die too. It's a later version yes. of the same thing, yep. but it kind of has some of that nefarious get together of taking someone down scenario. Um, so, so how did you feel about it overall? Even though it was quite referential, for sure. I, I no, I I liked it. I I it was it was subtle with those. Like uh, there was only a couple moments where I'm just like. Geez, can you uh, reference the uh, paintball scene in uh, Ten Things I Hate About You? Right. Uh, you know, with a paint yeah. fight that they have or whatever. Um, I thought that relationship well, was the least effective, by the way. Uh, with, yeah, uh, of course. Drea that was, that and, was definitely uh, forced. The guy from the farm school there. You have to have some guy, you know, someone uh, sensitive, you know, who's unlike the uh, the character of Max, which, by the way, uh, that guy please. is 37 years old <laughs> and i believe it but uh, i i gotta say i i gotta put it nicely uh he he looks uh unconventional right mm-hmm. you know he's supposed to be the popular kid the cool kid everyone loves max right right but to be truthful he looks like a rat i'm like <laughs> is this what passes for uh beauty nowadays like you know oh that guy man he's got it going on he's got personality and looks no he doesn't no he doesn't (laughs) i guess Um, he does in that he can also be the devil kind of look to him you know but again i I, I thought he actually was quite old (laughs) for the role because he is he is honestly he's probably i think in his late 20s or early 30s and he's playing A teenager, so no, no, no. I actually looked it up. He, he is <laughs> something like that. Uh, well, you know, see, he's I don't much older than everybody he else. Does look it, yeah. Um, oh, and you get a nice cameo yeah. by uh, Sarah Michelle Geller. There's nothing else to go by, and uh, she's still looking pretty good these days. Yeah, she's really good in that. Agreed. Yeah. And yeah. and yeah. from what I understand, they said they wanted that to be an extension of the Cruel Intentions character. Huh. Okay. Huh. I didn't fully. No, she seemed very, uh, very tame, comparatively speaking. Yes. Yes. There are a lot of references to that, too. They even have the car from from Cruel Intentions in there. It's the same make and model, at least, uh, that they use at one point. So there are a lot of uh, hat tips to a bunch of different of these movies that we've already referenced. But but it wasn't like overt, too. Soundtrack, I I actually listed, I think, as the MVP of the movie. Yeah, uh, you did. With all of this. Because you had things like, you know... Throw in a Mighty Mighty Boss Tone song. It's not the same one from Clueless, but they it, they are in here. You also had things like Third Eye Blind, Harvey Danger, Cranberries Hole, Meredith Brooks, that whole like bitch scene towards the end yeah. or whatever. Um, so there are a lot of things. And they, even songs they used like modern cover versions of 90s stuff in here on top of the actual 90s stuff. Um, so there's the ton of needle drops. There were actually supposed to be way more. Um, but a lot of them were cut, I assume for, for financial reasons. Um, here's, here's a question I have for you guys. And I kind of tipped it in my article. Can movies like, cause all these movies that we reference, Cruel Intentions, Heather's, uh, you know, Jawbreaker, something like these were much darker back in the eighties and nineties. Oh, this yeah. movie is definitely not as dark and definitely kind of, uh, buttons up the ending a lot tidier than any of those other ones would be um because they're Which largely ending? unpunished you know 
sort of like even for all the things that they did to other people in between before they kind of settled on who the ultimate jerk that needs to be punished is in the movie. So how did you feel about the difference between like, say if this was done decades ago versus now? It's a good question. Someone would have died. Probably. Yeah. <laughs> Back yeah. then. Actually, I wouldn't uh, even say probably. 100% somebody would have died. If not, like, right? a shit ton of people would have died. <laughs> like, this could probably happen. I'm not sure about drug intake, but you have that much mushrooms right? Uh, in a soup that everyone's just scarfing down. Yeah, somebody would have gone to the hospital. Someone's got to have a bad yeah, reaction. Something, yeah, something real bad. Yeah. So not I, everything I is just comical. <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah. Oh, my God. They're dead. It's like, what? No, yeah. no, no. This yeah, movie took I, a turn. Yeah, yeah. I thought this movie was going to, like, it had dark tones to it, but it never really fully went went for it, like you said. Yeah, it didn't you know, have as much was, teeth as those older movies. You're right, because if this was done in the late 90s, mid 90s, yeah, it was, people would have been dead. There would have been dead bodies everywhere in yeah. this movie. Um, and or I the consequences mind- for the people as the main protagonist would have been way harsher. Right, right. Because yeah. at the, the end... Eh, they kind of button everything up very nicely. Yeah. Eh, yeah. It is what it is, but I, I didn't friends mind it. Enemies. But like, yeah. yeah. Do enemies I think they would have been friends, friends at the end of the movie? No. Especially with the whole car scene at the very end. I'm like, that, you yeah. took that a little too far. Yeah. It's a little bit that, too much. Yeah. Yeah. And that was kind of I, a I, dark moment. But again, they never, they never pushed the envelope with it is to your point. Right. And maybe that's because uh, they wanted them to end in a different way. And that's why I think this movie cares way more about revenge on toxic men than it cares about the revenge they had on each other or anything else that was going on. So that's, that's what's interesting or different about this movie uh, than say it's predecessors. Plus all the Gen Z stuff. I will say though, that uh, my attention was diverted from who I thought released the tape or re- release a c- recording, but then I kept on getting this feeling from one character, and I'm just mm-hmm. like, "What's going on with this?" And I'm right. not going to reveal it because I I want people to watch this. I want them to know very little, right? Besides what we're talking about, but we're not giving anything away, right? Um, but it, it was a, a nice little throwback. Like you don't see movies like this nowadays. Everything is very you know safe. Right. And, you know, there are certain things like this. This basically started with a sex video released and everyone got to see it. And someone's reputation is ruined from it. And they want to get back at those who may have released it. Right. That's the premise. You don't see it nowadays. You usually like see a breakup and then they're like, oh, I want to get back together with them. Or they treated me badly. And right. You know, it turns into uh, a tit for tat kind of thing. Yeah, but, it tried uh, to play all this, sides, you know, and kind of yeah. s- smooth out the edges of what would be more of like a an edgier or biting version of it from years ago. Yeah, and and like you said, that they don't make movies like this anymore. I think part of that's because people are safer, you know, or they don't try to True. do as much with these. So Netflix will take the the swing. And especially if they can get other bigger stars or prop up someone from one of their major franchises with Stranger Things, obviously. Yeah. So good on them. It's a it's a it's a it's a quality enough movie. It's a good enough watch. Um, and I think people should tune in. I think we're all in kind of agreement with that. One extra question for you guys. Are you fans of PCU? And did you think of PCU when they did the tour on campus? Yes. And yes. Yeah, same here. Love yeah. PCU. And that's exactly where my brain went. Yeah, it's the cause heads. It's the same <laughs> yeah. like thing, except just not for done done for comedic effect, but not as long or as integral to the plot. Yeah. So yeah, I thought that was kind of interesting, including uh the uh <laughs> the horny theater kids, mostly white production <laughs> of Hamilton. I thought that was pretty funny. Yeah. Um, um the other thing I, I caught, and I don't know if this was intentional or if it's just where my mind went, uh sure. when they were doing uh Light as a feather, stiff as a board. Was that yeah. a craft reference? Probably. I mean, it's all they're all witches, yeah. so I mean, you're going to cross over sure. in a lot of that stuff anyway. Sure. Did anybody else catch the uh, fight club at the party? 
Yeah, oh yeah, for yeah, sure. It Jesus basically turned into like, Lord of the Flies what? like real quick. <laughs> I was like, what? What party is this? Yeah, they're oh, like, you could do crazy. whatever you want. Okay, yeah. so we're just going to start punching people and be okay with it and start dancing yeah. around them. It got weird real fast. <laughs> real fast. Man, I'm going to do cocaine off that girl's butthole. Yeah. Wow. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Oh, yeah. A lot of butt <laughs> stuff talk. A lot yeah, of like lot eating of ass talk. talk and everything else. That got... <laughs> mm. It was a lot real quick at certain things where it just kind of popped out for no reason. Oh, um, but yeah. <laughs> Definitely uh, I recommend something to check out. And it was number one, I think, for a while there on Netflix's top 10. So I'm sure a lot of people have seen it. Let us know what you guys thought about that as well. I believe I gave a three and a half to do revenge. Uh, where did you sit with that one, Shane? I actually gave that a four. Okay. Yeah. I so did. maybe I'll, you enjoyed yeah. that a little bit more than me. I, I was going to cheat because to me, I kept bouncing between a 3.5 and a four. So if I wanted to cheat, I could go three seven five. But if we're doing right. like having holes, is I'll give it a four. Right. Yeah, I think just with that one, the the ending didn't sit as comfortably with me that I think right. I knocked it down a peg a little bit with that one. So Chris, what was your grade for uh, Do Revenge? Jeez, I'll say three point five. Okay, so you're on the same wavelength as me. So we're right and Shane's wrong. That's good to know. Um, so <laughs> uh, the next movie is the number one movie currently on Netflix uh, in their top 10 from over the weekend, Lou, starring Allison Janney doing her best impression of Liam Neeson, I guess, uh, in the kind of like old person in from the cold has uh, one last thing to do, but with a twist. So uh, I know this is usually Shane's category, but we'll, we'll hold off him. He got the uh, the first taste of the last one. So I'm going to go to Chris. Um, yes. You didn't see this, right? So did you see I any didn't. trailer or anything for that? No, I saw a still of Alice and Janney looking old AF. <laughs> right. As the kids say. Yeah. Yeah. Is this something that you would expect from her or want to see from her? She's a character actress that since West Wing, she'll do whatever. Right. Uh, you know, she was on Mom for, you know, however many seasons. Uh, she's always that secondary character that kind of shines yeah. in movies that are maybe, you know, not the best, but, you know, she is a bright spot. Um, yeah, like an I, Tanya, she's like probably one of the best right. things about, you know. Yeah, and uh, again, talking about uh, uh, biopics, you're yeah. like, is that really what happened? Is that really the family dynamic going on? Yeah. But she's always been good. Uh, she's, uh, you know, she was in Juno as the stepmom. Mm -hmm. Yeah, um, I thought she was really good. You know, she, she pops up and you're like, okay, something good out of this. Yeah, I'm you always know, glad to see how her. you feel about the movie. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um. But this one, I'm just like, what what drives me to watch this? An hour and a half runtime is probably the answer. But uh, Shane, you actually did see this. What what intrigued you about it, and did you end up liking Lou after all? Uh, well, it, again, this kind of movie is right up my alley. You got, uh, I like the cast. I like, of course, I'm not going to say anything more about her, but I like Discount Tom Hardy. Uh, I would <laughs> see more of him. Uh -huh. So, yeah, just for being a different role for her, because she, like Chris said, she's done a lot of stuff, but she's never really done anything this physical before. Uh, so I thought that was like an interesting twist for her. And for the most part, for the most part, I think she pulled it off. Like right. the, cab the cabin scene at the beginning of the movie, the two guys, that whole scene, I thought that was well done. So, yeah, did I have my issues with this movie story-wise? The whole dyna family dynamic, I won't spoil anything. I, I, I wanted to see a little more of that. I felt they kind of skirted around that. Mm -hmm. But it was an entertaining movie. I was a little let down at the end of it, if that makes sense. Um, yeah, overall, no, that makes I, sense. Yeah, I did. Uh, you're, like you said, the hour and a half runtime was a plus. Uh, but I just was expecting more, I guess, script-wise or screenplay wise in this movie but i thought she held her own and it was enjoyable for the most part and i like journey smollett so i like that dynamic in this movie but it, this movie had holes in it all over the place but um i was i <laughs> yeah. guess i was expecting a little john wick and i guess we saw some of that yeah but 
you know. But yeah, yeah. The, the, the the dog survives, so we can at least assuage you know people <laughs> that you. there is a dog and indeed does survive. So it's not John Wick, at least in that way. You know, I agree with a lot of the things you said. The only thing I will take to task a little bit, I don't know if I like Journey Smollett all the way through. I think there were a lot of moments where I was like, she is acting when like Allison Janney was like the right tone. Um, so th- that's the only time where I was just like, eh, sometimes I didn't enjoy her aspect of it. Okay. Although she is the person who's kind of like finding things out and she's the one who has to be slightly more hysterical and because it's her child uh that is the 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 proverbial football here uh that you know is getting battered around and needs to be sought after but yeah uh i i (laughs) discount tom hardy aka logan marshall green i thought was fine again i thought him like at times was overacting and really kind of overselling the the dynamic especially as part of the twist that i won't put out there for people or whatever but the more he's involved and the more him and journey smollett have to take over as opposed to allison jenny i was less involved i was less enthused so as i said to chris i think when i said i was like yeah you could watch it but it's kind of just another throwaway netflix action movie so would you say that that's fair shane yeah that that's that's accurate that's, yeah. that's dead on. Like, it's a throwaway movie, like most Netflix movies. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, th- this particular one, I'd probably, I don't know, if we're doing out of fives, a, a two and a half at best. Yeah, I wanted to get it to a three, but I couldn't yeah, I push I it to a three. There. It's yeah. it's, a two and a, it's a two and a half for me. Yeah. It's like you said, I was expecting more out of Logan Marshall Green. I kid around, but I do like him overall uh, as an actor. And again, his character was... I, I, I don't know. I don't know. I had issues with his character. It is acting. So I agree with everything he said. Two and a half for me. So we'll move on to a different movie that maybe hopefully has uh, more to say. Uh, Shane, you also saw this one. I used to be famous. You can give us a little color on that one because this seems to be lingering around in the top tens as well for Netflix. Yeah, I, it's something I just kind of fell into. I needed something to watch. I forgot what night of the week it was and I wanted something kind of light. And I like Ed Screen. I think that's how you pronounce his name. But, uh, yeah, so I gave it a shot, and I'm glad I did. It's uh, a movie. You know, obviously, Ed Screen plays the lead. He was part of a boy band. uh, And then it flashes forward to him as an adult, and he's still trying to find his way in the music business, but he's having no luck. And what kind of rubs him the wrong way is one of his former bandmates is, like, one of the most popular singers in England. So he's always that's always in his face. He comes across a young drummer who happens to be autistic and they kind of rely on each other and help prop each other up. And it's one of those movies. It's, it's predictable. I understand that. Like you can see everything coming right as it's coming, mm-hmm. but I didn't care. I overlooked all that because of the performances. It was very heartfelt. I really dug this movie. Like it is, right. if you want to see something lighthearted and just will kind of give you that warm feeling, this is a movie. It's an hour and 45 minutes long. You're not going to hurt yourself by popping this in and watching it. I I really gravitated towards this movie. I liked it a lot. So I, get, I think I ended up grading this one a 3.5 as well. Okay. Yeah, it's a directorial debut from Eddie Sternberg, who this was uh, one of those stories of popular short film that went around the festival circuit and then made it into a longer piece. Um, so something that was celebrated and then made longer, obviously produced through Netflix. So that's a great story. Uh, I, I would I would like to watch that as well. I haven't caught that one just yet, but yeah, one of the many many options as we we could tell as we've been talking all Netflix thus far. Um, so definitely check that out on Shane's recommendation. Um, I'll wrap up the Netflix section uh, by speaking on a jazz band's blues, uh, which is the Long awaited, and I mean long awaited. If you're Tyler Perry, uh, his passion project, which is about a forbidden love between two abused and cast aside black teenagers, Bayou and Leanne, who ignite a passion that can cost them everything by meeting in secret and trading messages on paper airplanes. This is set mostly in rural Georgia during the late 1930s and early 1940s. Uh, this debuted at the Toronto International Film Festival. 
It stars Joshua Boone, uh, who is a relative newcomer. He was in like stuff like Seven Seconds for Netflix or his movie Premature. Uh, he plays Bayou. Uh, Soleil Pfeiffer, who has really only been in kind of TV stuff, is the love interest here. Leanne Amira Van from How to Get Away with Murder uh, is Bayou's mother, Hattie Mae. And Austin Scott from Pose and Sisters as Bayou's brother, Willie Earl. Um, this movie, it's... It's prob. It's it, this is going to be a backhanded compliment. This is probably the best thing that Tyler Perry has directed, but it's also got a lot of Tyler Perry issues. Meaning he loves mm-hmm. to go kind of melodramatic and soapy, and has a lot of that. Even though it's during a story that we're talking about, you know goes in the setting of Jim Crow era South. We're talking about social political issues of the time. It actually felt a lot to me to be kind of like a spiritual extension of like things like passing, which they bring up the the term passing and the, and the, and the trappings of passing in the movie. Uh, it also kind of has a lot in common with D Reese's Mudbound. So Netflix probably just saw this as a, as a logical extension of those things and something that they can bring back into the fold and they work a lot with Tyler Perry. So it makes sense as like this, you know, they like doing passion projects for, for people like this. So I thought this movie was going to be like that next level up for him, especially because you don't see a lot of Tyler Perry movies go to film festivals. Uh, so I think maybe they thought that it had some, some legs maybe with like the more elite level stuff, like a passing last year that got into multiple nominations across the award circuit and everything else. This is not that. Um, you could do worse. I gave it a pause in my play, pause, or stop uh, thing because of kind of the the melodrama and some of the performances gets kind of, you know, not eye-rolly, but it's like, okay, I, I, it's enough. Um, so there's some other things, which, again, should not be too hard to swallow if you're, if you're familiar with Tyler Perry's directing skills anyway. Um, but... There is a a bunch here that if you like this kind of story, it felt very almost 90s-ish, which is, uh, like I said, it's a long time coming. Uh, this mo- it was his first screenplay he ever wrote. This came oh, from wow. 1995. I think he said he wrote the original draft. So that's that's a long time to be sitting on a project. And again, I think maybe Netflix got interested because of certain movies that worked for them and maybe they could do more. And very cool stuff. Uh, if you're into like the the music, is probably some of the best stuff here. Again, a jazz man's blues. There's a lot of Duke Ellington jazz rendition stuff from the lead here, uh, Josh Boone. And uh, they have compositions from Terrence Blanchard, who, if you're familiar with him, he's the longtime collaborator with Spike Lee. Does a lot of his scores. He's a legend on uh, Broadway circles as well. And Aaron Zygman, who uh, is a longtime. Uh, music collaborator on Perry's previous works. He was also a composer on The Notebook, which this movie has a lot kind of in common with The Notebook, too, where it's kind of this like secret love that can get you in trouble and cause larger issues in a time where you know the families maybe don't want you around and they got other things going on. So there's a lot of that. But yeah, so <clears throat> some things that you can definitely chew on but it's not that awards level leap that I was maybe kind of hoping for when I turned it on. So check it out. If you're into stuff like Mudbound, passing Ma Rainey, the notebook, loving things like that, but it's fine. <laughs> yeah. Does Medea make an appearance? She does not though. I will ah. say. So basically the mother in this story, they do kind of uh, an opening in the, present tense uh not present tense but like later tense where it's like in the 80s or 90s or something even though this story takes place in the 40s or late 30s and um they show the mother walking to like you know the governor's mansion or some kind of like political office thing and she's all dialed up and she's in the dress and everything and she looks from the back she could be Medea. where i was just like okay is this intentional is it not intentional so uh but no Medea does not make an appearance in a jazz man's blues to, to, I don't know, to the detriment or the positive uh, for for this type of movie. But if you're into a lot of the the things I said, please, you know, check it out. But for me, it was just it was it was fine. It was good. It's not going to have the legs that anyone maybe thought it was going to have. Um, 
But moving on from Netflix, let's start getting into uh, Shudder, which I've been, I'm probably going to do, I've been saying it for years, I'm going to like dial up, I'm probably going to do AMC Plus for a month, just during the October period, watch all the, the, you know, Shudder original horrors and some of the other stuff that they have, they usually have an impressive lineup, they know where their bread is buttered with the horror thrillers that people want to watch during the month of October, so I'm probably going to do that, and I'm looking forward to these two films that you guys have watched uh, have been either on my watch list or something that's been battered around for a while. So let's start with Chris. Um, you watched a movie that I've heard people basically daring people to watch, that it might be so hard that it sits with you, kind of a horror movie, in Speak No Evil. So speak on Speak No Evil, <laughs> sir. How, how did you enjoy it? Did it live up to the reputation? I will say I can see them daring people who are if you're a family and you I have am. children yeah <laughs> i do you're a family awesome yeah. it, it may be hard for people with kids to watch this yeah well set the scene um, what's the the basic plot on this one so uh, this is the uh, summation of it uh, a danish family visits a dutch family they met on holiday what was supposed to be an idyllic weekend slowly ter- starts unraveling as the Danes try to stay polite in the face of unpleasantness. Right. Now, that's a fancy way of saying they they met each other by chance on this trip. Right. And they said, hey, listen, we like you. We have kids of similar age. If you're ever in our area, please stay with us. We'll make a day of it, week of it, whatever. You you stay as long as you want. Right. You know, uh, they they go through the day and day, and the father is just like, he's sick of doing that. So he's just like, let's just, by chance, take them up on their offer and go visit them. Right. So Bjorn, Louise, and Agnes go visit Patrick, Karen, and Jonas, Mm -hmm. and... At first, you're like, okay, they're, they're having a good time. They're reconnecting. And then uh, the Dutch family of Patrick and Karen, they're, they're making their guests feel uncomfortable. Like there's uh, a scene where Lois is uh, taking a shower. Yeah, I saw that still online. Yeah, she hears someone coming in, brushing their teeth, and we realize it's not her husband. Right. And... <laughs> It's it's the guy Patrick, and he comes right up to the glass. Yeah, this is also like, why I don't have a glass shower either. Right, uh, <laughs> it's like a little creepy, a little yeah. creepy there. So she's she's like, you know, no, we can't stay here. We can't stay. And Chris, you have a glass yeah. shower in your house, right? I do, I do, but it's not it's not that um, <laughs> fogged glass. Shane, you were over it's recently. Clear. Did you have any moments? Yes. Is there <laughs> no moments to report here? But I do like Chris's no, shower. There, there's, Go on record for that. There's, there's no creepiness. There's no creepiness. It's just I know he's there, and uh, I still take my shower. <laughs> right. He brushes his but, teeth uh, a long time. <laughs> Very odd. Yeah. But it is funny. It's like, you know, stuff like that is happening. So they're like, screw this. We're out. We're going to sneak out, you know, uh, in the, the morning. Get out of here. Right. And uh, due to some reason... They have to go back to the house, and then they're caught out that they uh, tried to leave. Yeah. So it's just like it's this awkwardness, uh, I'm already it's this uneasiness. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's this uneasiness, and you're you're wondering, it's just like, what's their their deal? Is like, what's why are they being so weird? You yeah. Know? And uh, that's where it like picks up. It's just like, okay, uh, it's a misunderstanding. Please stay, and they shouldn't have stayed. And that's all I'm going to give you because it takes a turn at one point and you're just like, what did I sign up for? Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, uh, you know, the only thing I hinted to is the family aspect. Uh, If you are a parent, you may not like watching a film like this. Sure. And me being a parent, like I, I just felt like, what would I do in these scenarios? Right. You know, it's very reflective. But overall, I'm just like, I, I got this uneasy feeling from midpoint to the end. 
and the end was just like it, it kind of hit me hard. Yeah. Yeah, that's all I want to say about it. But uh, it, it was an interesting watch. And again, uh, anybody who has Shudder and wants to seek this out, please tell me what you thought. It, it's it's one of those uh, thought-provoking, what would I do in those situations kind of thing. Yeah, I, I look yeah. forward to Well, I look forward to it. sounds strange. Like, I want to see what happens <laughs> to the kids. Um, but it's, uh, it is something that uh, I have heard on other podcasts of people like, I'm not going to tell you any like, kind of the barbarian effect in some ways where it's like, I don't want to tell you yep. too much. I want you to kind of, you know, experience it for yourself. Experience and, it. and, yep. but obviously there are certain triggering things that, you know, unlike barbarian where it's like, yeah, <laughs> it takes a turn, but I don't think it would like disturb anyone on a certain level that it would, you know, just completely put you off to, you know, horror movies or movies of this ilk. Like this movie sounds like something where I'm like, Oh, why is this a movie? You know, like kind of a thing, you know? So I don't want to go, I don't know if I want to go there, but, um, but yeah, I've definitely heard it done as like a dare. So I'm curious to know whether it holds up to that level. Like I I already told Melanie, my, uh, the missus, uh, who takes over for, uh, my argument with myself uh, for the month of October. Uh, she's into horror. I told her I don't think she can take it. Wow. Okay. So, yeah. Uh, and I don't know if that, like, you know, sparks interest or I, I don't know. But I told her, I'm just like, no, you don't. I don't, I don't think you can take it. It's just because you're a control so. freak, Chris. We know. I am. I am. Yeah. Get back in the basement. <laughs> <laughs> Lock Let up me the out kids. October 1st. I'll yeah. think about it. <laughs> But another uh, Shutter exclusive, uh, who invited them, is something that Shane watched as well. Is this hold up to anything of uh, maybe the the better recommendation that Chris gave just now, or no? No. Who invited them? Almost sounds like Speak No Evil's actual title. <laughs> yeah, no. I hate to end the show on a Debbie Downer of a note. Yeah, do it, do it. The best part of this movie that is, it's an hour and twenty one minutes. It moves quick. But it's right. also one of those movies right. that you get done watching, and I'm like, why was this even made? Like, why? What's the point of this movie? Right. It was. What's a it slow, about, Shane? It's a slow burn. It's about, uh, it has Ryan Hansen, Melissa Tang. They play Adam and Margo. They just purchased this house, like, in, I'm going to say the Hollywood Hills somewhere. They're throwing right. this big housewarming party. And as everyone's leaving, come to find out there are this were to perceived to be brother, sister, or at the time, husband, wife, couple, that just lingers around and they won't leave. And okay. as, as the night progresses, they're getting Adam and Margo to like do drugs and like just hang loose. Everyone's having a great time. You're still trying to figure out like what the hell are they doing? What are their intentions with this couple, right? But right. they never it never amounts to anything. It really never amounts to anything. Like nothing so it's just uncomfortable it's uncomfortable in parts because as the night goes along you see like some of the marital issues that adam and margo have under the surface that these two newcomers kind of like force them to like confront each other let's say interesting so, okay yeah but we, we come to find out this this husband wife couple or whatever lived next door and had a very traumatic childhood that they went through and that's the mm. reason why they're at this particular house. And there's a scene towards the end. I want. I don't want to ruin it in case you do want to see it. But as that scene came up, I'm like, one, I don't care. And two, you didn't introduce enough of their background to make me give a shit about what happened to them as kids. They kind right. of just glossed over that. And again, you're expecting some kind of conflict or some kind of final scene between the two couples never right. had it, it never gets there and i'm like so why hmm. were they pushing them to do this if they were I, it was just a weird pointless movie it really was <laughs> i felt like when i got done i watched a really bad episode of tales from the crypt okay it's how, it's how i felt about this particular movie and i like ryan hansen you know oh uh perry matfield is in this from um in yeah. the dark i like mm-hmm. her a lot so i didn't have an issue with the casting that's probably one of the stronger suits in this movie. Right. But other than that, like story wise, script wise, it just I had a lot of issues with this movie. Mainly it was pointless when you get done watching it. <laughs> okay. Know, they kinda leave they kinda leave you hanging at like 
they're, I, I won't say anything. Like, they kind of leave the ending open. And I'm like, okay. But there really was no point. I struggled to get this to a two. I initially okay. gave it a star at like 1.5, but I was like, you know what? Based on cast alone, because pre- the premise of this movie was good. I liked the premise of this movie because it did have those moments that you felt uncomfortable. Right. And, but you were expecting something to pop off, and it really never popped off. And I'm like, mm. okay. So, right. potential, this movie had potential, but it just did not land anything, especially towards the end. God, it's such a downer, Shane. You geez, I know, just yeah, ending the whole thing. <laughs> well, thank you, folks. See you next week. <laughs> Although, so how have you guys? Because I've I've never had Shutter. Uh, I know some things that maybe I seen, but I they maybe were out in theaters before they came, became quote Shutter exclusives or originals. Ha, have you guys watched a lot of them? Have you have you noticed like? Is Shudder good at their originals? Because I, I don't know if I fully have a grasp. Like, say, I've watched Netflix originals for years now. I kind of got the that the different levels of what they're like and the different levels of quality and knowing kind of how to parse through them. And a lot of, you know, Disney, you kind of have a sense, and Amazon, whatever. The Shudder exclusives market, it, how is that? Does anyone have a good grasp on that? I don't have a grasp on it right now because I'm I'll still like trying to get through their page. And I will say I do not like I don't like how they have their main page laid out. I have an issue with it because like Netflix or anything else, like new releases that like right. you have different categories. It just seems like they just took all the movies and just fucking flung them up there. It's like, hey, <laughs> dumb, dumb, you figure it out. Like I had <laughs> right. issues trying to figure find all their new releases. They weren't in any particular category. At least not right. on my Roku stick, it wasn't. So, yeah, get it together, Shutter. I, 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 I have a hard time navigating their page. I guess is my main point. Okay, that's fair. Yeah. Uh, and, and like I said, I haven't seen uh, a lot of these, or maybe I don't know them as exclusive to uh, Shutter too much. I know Host got a lot of play during the pandemic time, um, and La Llorona uh, did as well during that period. Um, mm-hmm. Is there any other ones that maybe I'm I'm not too up on for Shutter that maybe if I join on you guys uh, know off the top of your head? Yeah, right now I'm drawing I, a blank. I don't know. Uh, it it is uh, pretty much like a blanket layout because uh, if you want to find something specific, well, not specific, or you want to find a specific genre, they have the drop down menu where you can either just navigate through all movies mm-hmm. or you can do you know specific subgenres of like supernatural revenge uh cult you know right. stuff like that sure but um it, there's those movies that have that fine line of like is it science fiction or is it horror or is right. it you know y- you have to specify but overall like everyone raves about shutter being like your go-to for horror unique horror horror you're not going to find anywhere else sure but that that's a crapshoot with anything you know right. like i can say Tubi is a, a great spot for horror but right. that's old um titles sure that's uh the classics uh hammer horror you'll find more there than anywhere else but yeah it, it all depends on uh on what you like and there's nothing that really stands out as far as originals, it's all over the place. It's all over the map. Uh, I am I am curious about Mad God. Have you guys heard about this one? The Phil yes. Tippett thing uh, yeah. where it's uh, stop motion animated kind of experimental yeah. horror thing. That looks interesting. It looks like a giant tool video uh, from yes. back in the 90s. Um, yep. so, and obviously he's known for the stop motion animation on some of the the coolest projects, you know, over the years, Return of the Jedi, uh, you know, Star Jurassic Wars stuff Park. that, you know, yeah, exactly. So, yeah. Uh, you know, he's done a lot over the years. So this is definitely a person that I was interested. I've seen kind of like the trailer. Um, it's on my Amazon because uh, you can get it PVOD as well. It's on my uh, watch list thing for that. But I didn't know it was a, also a shutter kind of exclusive. So that might uh, shoot to the top of the list when I try to do my month long membership. And, and who knows? Maybe I might keep it because I've said this before. The AMC Plus thing becomes more and more intriguing with uh, you get AMC, Shutter, uh, you get Sundance, and uh, um, 
IFC. I, all the IFC Midnight stuff. So oh, yeah, yeah. Y- you can watch a bunch of different kind of cool indie project stuff all in one place. Plus, you know, a, a, what is it? 35 seasons of Walking Dead or whatever uh, that you can do as well. So it would be a very interesting month uh, if I could sign up for that. So uh, I am looking forward to doing so. Maybe uh, some cool originals will pop up from that. But uh, yeah, guys, that's our kind of streaming report. For this episode, uh, definitely have a lot of stuff. And and definitely let us know if you've caught some of these. Maybe you have other streaming recommendations that you can toss us that maybe we can do another one of these type of episodes. But definitely a, a, a lot of stuff out there. And we kind of hammered out quite a bit for you there. So check them out. Let us know. And definitely be back for later episodes of Recent Activity. <laughs> <laughs>